welcome to episode 16 of the Sox Beer Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Gabe Faulkner. With me is the co-host of the show, Cody Collins. Cody, how you doing? I'm doing well. Spring training started up, and uh, I couldn't be any more ready for for some Red Sox baseball. Yeah, for sure. Um, we do have an interview lined up for you guys. Uh, Cody and I got the chance to talk to Evan Drellick. Um, he's currently a free agent. Uh, so previously with NBC Sports Boston, uh, fun interview. Uh, we'll get to that in a bit, but there were a few storylines that Cody and I wanted to touch on before uh, heading to the interview. Um, first is Bryce Harper, Manny Machado have finally signed um, the, the moment we've all been waiting for all all off season has finally arrived. And Cody, what were your initial thoughts uh, on the Machado signing and the Harper signing? So when Machado signed, uh, my initial reaction was, thank God he didn't go to the Yankees just because he's already such a heel to Red Sox fans. I'm just so thankful we don't have to see him any more times through. We just gave our predictions on the last podcast, so I was a little bummed having him go to the White Sox uh, is what my prediction was. So going out west to San Diego was not correct, but obviously Harper uh, went to the Phillies, which I think a couple of us had on that last episode. But uh, either way, it just still seems like a ridiculous amount of money for both of them. Don't get me wrong. They're both great players, both very good at what they do, but I just don't see either of them living up to that contract. How about you? Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily see them uh living up to the contract either. I I I it's my opinion that the only player that should be getting that type of money is Mike Trout. Um, yeah. And even and even then, that's that's a, quite a bit of money. Like I would be okay signing a 13-year uh $33 million contract. Take the zero off the end of it and I'm I'm still thrilled with that uh <laughs> contract. Um but yeah, like Machado's uh, ten year, three hundred million. You know, I I did not expect them to, uh, either of them, especially waiting this long. I didn't see either of them uh, reaching three hundred million, but uh, they both g- got there. Harper a little bit more than Machado. Um, after Machado signed for three three hundred million, I I knew instantly that Harper Harper was going to sign for more just because his agent Scott Boris and Boris wants to. Um, be ahead of every, everyone else, uh, but when I saw Harper's contract, 13 years, 330 million, I'm like, okay. My first thought was, how many opt-outs does he have? And then I looked at the contract details: no opt-outs, full no-trade clause. He's in Philly for 13 years, which is just ridiculous. Him making that big of a commitment to Philly. I just don't. I, I just don't see um, that being a smart idea. I just. I don't know about the the whole the whole uh, how long the contract is. What about you? It's just absolutely insane. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm all for Philadelphia going all in on trying to be good right now. They've been the bottom of the NL East for years. They went out and they got Rio Muto. They have young prospects. They've got some promising arms they they locked up Aaron Nola for like a super team friendly deal and then you go and drop 330 million dollars and don't protect yourself at all in that deal with no opt-out clauses I mean that just seems ridiculous to me and honestly what's even more surprising to me is that Bryce went with that as opposed to the rumored 41 42 million dollars a year the Dodgers were willing to pay him on a shorter deal it's just insane amounts of money so i mean good for bryce he obviously got what he was looking for but i just don't ever see you know just the way his career has trended thus far i just don't ever see him earning that kind of money if i could be honest but hey good for him it's good for baseball that these guys are finally signing and lord willing we can sign mookie bets to a deal that's better than 13 years and zero opt-outs yeah it's it's just ridiculous that he's there that long. And um, last night I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw the rumored uh, AAV of the Dodgers offer. Offer. Yeah, exactly. That is, that's ridiculous. Like he would have he would have um, surpassed the record of annual um, average value like by a ton. Like if 
if he was if he was looking to break a record, he would have smashed the previous record. Uh, and it, it's just ridiculous because if he would have taken that offer, he would have been playing in the, on the West Coast for a um, World Series contending team. They've been to the World Series uh, two times in the past two years. Uh, and he would have been a free agent fairly soon, and he would have been able to test the market again. Um, it, I just, if I was in his shoes, I would have taken the Dodgers offer, but uh, that's just me. Uh, like you said, it's good for baseball that both of these guys have signed. Um, but then again, I, I just don't see Harper uh, fully living up to that contract, but yeah, that's just I- me. I hear you. And like one last thing before we get to the interview, because obviously we had a pretty exciting interview with Evan tonight. Um, what do you think about the news of Kimbrel being willing to sit out a year if no team meets his contractual demands? That just seems insane to me. That That is ridiculous. I saw that and I immediately started laughing. Like, that's just ridiculous. And I saw a tweet from uh, Matthew Corey, who... Uh, we, we we're possibly going to have on the podcast here in the next few weeks. Uh, but he said – his tweet basically said, you know, why would you sit out a year when you could be making a few – or millions of dollars on a one-year deal and just testing the market next season? It just it just doesn't make sense. And I just I – don't, I don't understand that on Kimbrell's part. Like – He's the be- I mean, yes, he's one of the best, if not the best closer ever, um, number-wise. And it's just ridiculous that he would be willing to sit out a year instead of making millions of dollars during that year and testing the free agent market out next year. That, that's my thoughts. It just really seems insane, honestly. And as a Red Sox fan, I mean, I want Craig to sign because obviously I think the date was somewhere in June that if he hasn't signed by then, the Red Sox get zero draft compensation, regardless of the fact that he rejected the qualifying offer. Like as Red Sox fans, whether you want him back in Boston or not, you want Craig Kimbrell to sign because you want the draft pick compensation for a guy that's a future Hall of Fame closer. Like you want that top premium draft pick, especially if we lose anything in the luxury tax uh, tax penalties. So it just seems really odd to me i don't know why if you're kimbrell you don't go back to atlanta on a short-term deal why you don't call philadelphia and say hey i'd take a discount why aren't you contacting dave dombrowski and saying okay i know i rejected the qualifying offer that's standard business practice but why don't we hook up on a year or two deal like those things just don't make sense to me so for a guy like craig it makes me feel like his agent is in his ear a little bit too much because that just throughout the whole off season, that didn't really seem like Craig. Like you read through Instagram and you saw Brock Holt defending uh, Kimbrel. Any fans that were saying he was wanting too much money or anything like that. I mean, it doesn't really seem to be his personality. So it just makes me wonder if his agent is a little bit uh, controlling. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. Uh, a quick question: I saw this, and I'm I I have this idea in my mind now. Uh, so like, after I think what the Red Sox like front like the ownership said to Dombrowski after Uvalde and Pierce is no no more like I don't think they're letting Dombrowski make any more moves and spend any more money. Uh, now now it, it just doesn't make sense. World Series champions, if Kimbrel's gonna come back on a one year, I mean it's he's still going to be making you know money but if he's coming back on a one-year deal i don't i don't see why that's that big of a deal uh you just won the world series you have the chance of winning another one why wouldn't you bring back uh one of the best closers in baseball for one year um but i get it i i totally do uh they don't want to spend too much plus they have guys like mookie coming up on free agency i mean sale i'm I think in the long run, we'll look back on this and say the, the Red Sox front office and ownership did the right thing. But for now, um, maybe there are a few fans scratching their heads. But uh, what do you think about that? I agree. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think give it a couple years, we're probably going to look back and go, well, if we kept from, uh, Craig, we probably don't see Durbin Feltman this soon. Or, you know, 
one of the new guys emerges. Maybe Tyler Thornburg regains his form. Maybe Colton Brewer is a steal. You know, you just don't know yet. And honestly, at this point, it feels like the two teams are so far away, and we probably are going to look back on this and say it was probably the right move for the Sox. Yeah, for sure. Um, but that will uh, lead us into our interview with Evan Drellick. Um, make sure you let us know how you liked it. If you liked, if you enjoyed this interview. Um, We'll be having several guests come on uh, in the coming weeks. I already have a few guests lined up, but um, enjoy, guys. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen? How do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's why I'm doing this right now by reading this ad. When I started using Anchor, my podcast, Recording and editing my podcast and even posting my podcast has gotten a hundred times easier. So if you always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me in the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. All right, we are joined by Evan Drellick. Um, now that Bryce Harper and Manny Machado are off the market, I think it's safe to say that Evan Drellick is the biggest free agent still available. Um, so, uh, Evan, how you doing? Craig Kimbrell might be a little mad at that statement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now, now all the world uh, turns to me. I'm all right. I'm just sitting here waiting it out. Um, I'm sure Scott Boris will find some time for me at some point. <laughs> yeah, it uh... – for those of you who don't know, Evan was previously with NBC Sports Boston. Um, they decided to let him go, what was it, two weeks ago, Evan? Uh, I think it's three weeks ago, yeah, something like that. Three weeks ago. Uh, you've been on WEEI a few times, uh, which I've enjoyed, um, uh, by the way. So. Uh, oh, thanks. Yeah, other than that, I mean, WEEI is – uh, currently your situation, um, but like I said, you're probably one of the biggest free agents still out there, um, but let's jump right into it. Um, the first question I have for you, uh, Evan, is you know there are several guys on the Red Sox roster who um, are rumored to um, be able to or be open to an extension with the Red Sox, uh, Rick Porcello, Chris Sale, Xander Bogarts, Mookie Betts, um, who stays and who goes in your opinion? I think they're all technically open to a discussion, but I, I've been pretty firm for a while now that unless Mookie Betts is, gets an offer that's equivalent to something close to what he would get on the free agent market, he's not going to sign. Um, so if the Red Sox are looking for some sort of kind of advanced discount, which sometimes you see a little bit of with these extensions, you're not going to get it with Betts. And and I, I really do think he's he – as somebody who's already set records in arbitration, he's already made $30 million, uh, you know, just this year and last year's salary alone, 2018, 2019. He doesn't need the money. He's not hard up. So I, I really think if they're going to keep him, they're going to do it once he becomes a free agent. I think he, he wants to become a free agent. That's his right and uh, more power to him and all that type of stuff. Beyond that, um, I think you, you can start to direct the attention a little bit to sale because – he he knows his body uh, can can act up at times. He takes very good care of it, but we've seen a little bit of durability issues. I think he also might not prioritize the setting the market idea quite as much as, as the others. Now, that said, he's been a freaking unbelievable pitcher, and when you're a year away from free agency, the the draw of free agency can start to get greater. So, uh, you know, it's not like sales going to come cheap. I just think if you're going to sway one of these guys to do it, Sale might be might be the one. Porcello too, um, but considering where they are with the luxury tax, they're not spending any money on on the bullpen at all, which is you know its own topic. Um, 
I don't think Forcello, it put it this way, if they're going to extend themselves over that luxury tax and pay a higher tax this year, I'd be surprised if it was for anybody but one of the stars. Um, and, and Porcello is a, is a fixture and, and an important guy, but I don't know if, if, if they do it for that reason. L- at least that's my thinking. You know, I mean, this is spe- yeah. that part is spec. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, my question is, uh, do you, if a year ago, before all of this, you know, sales injuries, his shoulder is, you know, whatever, do you think sale would be uh, be more open to? testing out the free agent market. Uh, I know, I, I like you said, I think it's where it is right now, Sale is afraid that he won't get as much money on the market, uh, say, as he would last year before all, all of this injury um, injuries happened. Uh, I, I do think that out of any of the guys that we have right now, I think the one that will probably reach an extension with is sale but that's just my opinion Mookie seems like he wants to test out uh, free agency he doesn't from the comments I've been reading he doesn't want to say much he's very uh, I, I don't even know what the word is but uh, yeah, yeah. He, yeah exactly so um, if if there's any of these guys that I think that they're going to reach an extension with I, I would have to go with sale yeah, and they, they did talk to Bogarts about it, and, you know, this stuff always comes up in conversations, but they did make, uh, you know, they, they, they did make it known to Bogarts that they were interested in it, and I, it, it didn't go very far, at least in the winter. I don't know if it's picked back up or not since, but it's not impossible to sign a J.D., uh, to some, well, it's not impossible to sign a J.D. or a Bogarts because they're Boris clients, as I was going to say. It's not impossible to sign a Boris client to an extension. It's not always common, but uh, I do think you're right about sale, and I don't think it's that he got scared necessarily. They seem to understand what happened with the shoulder. Uh, there's no structural damage, I'm told. I guess a little bit would be the proof in the pudding here. You know, does he stay healthy this season? And uh, don't maybe don't throw a hundred. You know, don't don't rip up all the way in the middle of the season after you were throwing. You know, considerably not considerably slower, but uh, just be a little bit more. You know reserved in how you use that arm strength. Um, but I, I think he likes winning. I think he likes being in Boston. I think he likes being part of the team. I just don't, I don't think testing the market is, is his number one thing. I don't think that's a bad thing if you want it to be. Uh, but I, I just, I think there's probably a little more room for him to be like, let's just take care of this. Uh, maybe than some of the other guys, but that doesn't mean, you know, you're going to see this great bargain for Chris sale. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree that I think, you know, sale and bets are definitely priority number one and priority number two as you look through these Red Sox free agents. But you know, well, you can argue that sales risky. I mean, yeah, you, absolutely. Pitcher. I mean, if if you want to say that, well, you're better off keeping the shortstop or or you know the incredible elite hitting guru and JD Martinez, and because they're they're not as risky as they age. I mean, you can make that argument. Yeah, I mean, is. Let me just ask you, do you have any sort of gut feelings that you think any of those core guys, if you had to peg one or two that you think are going to end up playing somewhere other than Boston in the next few years, uh, who would you pick? Um, that's, a, that's a good one. Uh, I, I see an easier exit for a Bogart's and I, I guess Bogarts and Bogarts and Sale. I, I might almost say, you know, would they really let JD Martinez walk? Um, uh, I, I think Sale, the the risk of the of that kind of contract already having price there. Um, you know, if they do have to rebuild a little bit, that's the other thing that's hard to know here. You know, if they do end up feeling like they need to retool. Um, within a couple of years and does that change their thinking? But, uh, it's, you know, I think they would do everything they possibly can to keep Mookie Betts and, and they'll just see if he ends up wanting to sign back here for, for a huge amount of money. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I mean, obviously there's still so much time left, so to speculate this far ahead of time is definitely just that. So, um, let, let's see if we can have a more rational conversation on this one as opposed to the you're either on one side of the fence or the complete opposite end of the spectrum when it comes to Dustin Pedroia, at least on Red Sox Twitter. So 
realistically, what do you think we're looking at for Pedroia this year? Uh, not only games played, do you think, regardless of the contractual situation, do you really think he only has a year or two left of uh, really any sort of competitive baseball left in him? Uh, what are your thoughts on Pedroia? My stance on him going into this year is, I mean, it's not too different than last year. If you get something from him, great, but I am in no way counting on him. That doesn't mean I don't think that he has as good a chance as any guy, you know, if there's a guy in baseball who can come back from, from an unknown surgery like this, um, I say unknown because it's not a common procedure in baseball. You know, we know Pedroia is a resilient guy. We know, we know he, he might be the guy to do it. But after two years of this and, and knowing it's a knee and uh, – how cl- you know everything they were saying last year, and then it just completely doesn't work out. I really, I really don't care what they say at this point. With this situation, it comes down. It's going to be you. You go out there and you show you have something, and then I'll believe it. But I, I will not really believe in Dustin Pedroia as a you know a, a force to be reckoned with again until I actually see it. You know, and and I see that he can stay out on the field. Maybe that's only. You know, playing every other day, something like that. Um, I, I don't know if he only has one or two years left necessarily, but it, you know, for him to get to a true full slate of games again, it, that that seems questionable. You know, I, um, second basemen who are smaller don't age particularly well. You know, it's 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 something that historically has been true, and you know, the right it was a question Ben Charrington got when he gave him that extension. Everybody thought the extension was good for the team, um, and it, you know it was. Like he's earned that money uh, with his performance so far, but you know the back end of this deal could end up being some, uh, you know, for for better or worse, dead weight. Yeah, I'm I'm with you when it comes to the Pedroia situation. If if he does, you know, give the Red Sox a little bit of something, you know, great. But if he doesn't, um, which I think is likely, I think that he might you know, come back and, uh, you know, feel something in that knee or whatever. But um, I just I just don't know. Um, but, 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 well, this is the thing. Nobody knows. Like, it's, it's really – Exactly. There's no – there's just really not a precedent here to look at it and go, okay, you know, this this makes sense. You know, him, he and Stephen Wright both had uh, the same surgeon. They're, they're both have had trouble. Uh, I'm not saying it's the surgeon's fault necessarily, but it, it they, they were going into – uncharted territory so kind of inherently with uncharted territory you just don't know what's going to happen so for that alone like you know how can you if you're the red sox how can you sit there and plan to have a contribution from dustin pedroia you can hope but if you're hanging your hat on it uh i would say that that's not exactly good contingency plan yeah um for sure uh, moving on to the next topic that we have on the rundown um probably one of the bigger storylines coming out of spring training so far Dave Dombrowski has basically said he's he's going to keep two two catchers on that opening day roster. Uh, basically said that he's looking to move one of those guys. Uh, my questions to you are: Which catcher do you think brings the most benefit to the Red Sox? And if there's one to be traded, who will that be, uh, and why? It really depends on what they prioritize. Uh, if if they want kind of a long-term upside, they keep Blake Swihart. If they feel so enamored with Sandy Leone's receiving ability, um, you know, you, you keep him around. I mean, to me, Leone is uh, the, the guy that would be most disposable just because at the plate, he just he doesn't hit as much, you know. It, it, we've seen uh, good stretches from him before, but uh, – you know, the upside of Swihart and Vasquez is greater than Leon. Um, you know, Swihart, to me, his pop time down to second base, I think, I, mean, I believe the last I checked, was actually better than either the other two. And, and Swihart's not exactly known for his defense. You know, he really is a fantastic athlete. We've heard that all, a lot in his career. I, I do think this situation is silly. I thought it was silly last year. You know, Swihart's agent told me at one point, that he uh, demanded a trade uh, or, or asked for a trade, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, I wrote that story last year, and you know they weren't playing him for two months, basically. Uh, and you know, whoever the player is, it, it, it's it's strange that a team can win 108 games while basically having a 24-man roster for a period of time. And the 2018 Red Sox did it, and that's great. But if they 
if they think they can replicate that, you know, if, if they're going to carry all three, they better find a way to use them because, uh, you know, it, it, enough's enough at a certain point. Like, just figure it out. Uh, you know, uh, uh, shit or get off the pot. Forgive my French. <laughs> exactly. It just it just seems like a really odd situation. You know, at least personally, as I think you touched on, I mean, Swihart has the most potential of the three. And regardless of what they paid Christian Vasquez just a year or two ago, I would be more hesitant to let Sandy Leon keep going out there, regardless of his, you know, rapport with the pitchers. But, I mean, he's barely hitting the Mendoza line. And in a lot of cases, he's not. I'd almost rather ride it out with Swihart and take that bit of a chance with a wild card guy uh, and let him continue to develop and see what you actually have, knowing that Vasquez is a solid number two that can fill in when needed and then, you know, I guess float Sandy, but I can't imagine he has too terribly much trade value. Well, that's the problem. If you want something back in return, well, Leon's just not going to get you much. Yeah. Uh, but there is there is value in receiving. You know, Jeff Mathis. We, we see these guys at different spots who uh, pitchers love them. You know, whether or not that's in the pitcher's head uh, or or based in reality. Well, if it's in if it's in his head, I mean, you, you want to keep him happy. You know, Rick Porcello says it's the best receiver he's ever had. Um, so is it worth keeping him around one more year? Swihart, their asking price on Swihart was too high for at least some teams last year. Um, when a guy doesn't play, you can't get a good return. You know, if, if and if the guy doesn't play, he doesn't grow. So you end up in this, you back yourself into a corner. Well, we think he's more valuable than that. Well, he's not playing. Well, how does he get better? You know, it's just um, one way or another, if I were them, I, I, I think I would make sure that Swihart is not um, just kind of sitting around. I, I, I'd either deal him or use him. But, you know, what the way they started out last year, I, I, I think, was just, um, you know, it worked out. They won the World Series. But I, nonetheless, that element of the team last year I thought was just bad planning. Yeah, and I I feel like Swihart is the most versatile out of the three, uh, and it was like you both touched on. It was just such a bizar bizarre bizarre uh, situation last year. I think I don't know the exact quote, um, but Cora basically said at the end of the season that you know he Swihart was kind of in a uh, you know tricky situation. He got the raw end of the deal. Um, it it just was it was just weird to see it all play out because uh, you reported that. Uh, Swihart's agent said that he, you know, asked for a trade and whatnot. But, like, after that, we didn't hear much uh, on the topic. So uh, it was just weird. I'm with you. They just have to do something. If they're going to trade Swihart, trade him. Um, if he's not going to play, trade him. Just, you know, do something at this point. Yeah, I, I, you know, you can you can argue, all right, get through spring training, make sure everybody's healthy because, you know, you trade Swihart today and then Leon goes down tomorrow, you might be kicking yourself. Uh, you might want to get to the start of the season, but you know, I, as the year went on, it, it, Swire did play a little bit more, but he did, he just he he wasn't um, he wasn't in favor essentially. And you know, when he did start to get a little time on the plate, he looked good. So uh, they've you know it, it's it's uh, the longer they drag it out, they don't, I don't think they help themselves. Is the bottom line? You know, whatever you're gonna do, you just do it. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think it really just comes down to what does Dave Dombrowski want to do? Obviously, if you're looking to restock the farm system, you move Blake Swihart. And if you're looking to... His uh, MO, though, you know. Oh, Dave, I know. His win now and, uh, and, you know, find me the one trade he made that, that was really <laughs> obtaining a prospect. That's just not oh, how absolutely. he operated. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he just, he definitely seems to carry that you know, that track record with him. But at the same time, it would be nice to see him to start looking down the road just a little bit. But, you know, we are like four or five games into spring training now. And, uh, you know, people like to overreact really quickly on prospects or anybody they've not heard of that are deciding to do something. And I think that couldn't be more applicable to the likes of Michael Chavis and Bobby Dahlbeck. Uh, obviously price seems to have taken a little bit of liking to Dahlbeck. Um, do you think there's really any merit to either of them even having an outside chance at making the opening day roster? Or are we just looking at guys that are just showing the potential that they truly have in this organization? Uh, you know what? I honestly, until this moment, had not even thought about that. Um, 
I, which I think says to me that no, I don't think they have a real shot um, at opening day because I mean, forgetting forgetting even service time manipulations, like uh, you know, I I don't think there's a sense that either is ready. I mean, you, you just they need they need more time. Chavis after the suspension, Dahlbeck hasn't even hit AAA. Um, you know, they look good in spring, but where are you going to play them? You know, I, I I think the only scenario there is is would be health. You know, if 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 somebody got hurt, maybe then you start to have that conversation. But uh, it right now, I just yeah, I hadn't I honestly hadn't considered it. Maybe I should have. Yeah, and I feel like we're getting a lot of overreactions. Uh, I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter and um, some other social media outlets saying that you know. Dahlbeck and Chavis are just, you know, showing out this spring and that uh, we need to get them on an opening day roster ASAP, which is just is, I mean, it's spring training. You can't, you can't look well, in. Gonna play. I mean, yeah, like, exactly, gonna exactly, exactly. Um, it, it's, it's just, I think people are overreacting and looking too much into spring training. Uh, and I don't see either of them, you know, coming up um, opening day. Um, so... <laughs> One of the, like, in terms of Red Sox questions that exist, you know, one of the questions about the team, I do want to see if Brock Holt can can do what he did last year again. You know, he, he came back healthy. He dealt with so much uh, anxiety on top of all the physical stuff, you know, he, and, and people love him. You know, he's a total fan favorite. But to say, you know, going into this year that he's your everyday second baseman, I guess mixing in with Nunez a little bit, if Nunez actually has better range, uh, you know, I just – second base – does leave in the back of my mind is something just to watch. You know, do you get the production out of it? Uh, you might not need it because you're going to have so much hitting at other spots, or at least you think. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the next thing that we have on the rundown, probably the uh, the biggest storyline of spring training. Uh, the Red Sox are looking for a closer. Uh, they're going to promote one of their relievers to the closer role. Uh, the two relievers they have are, you know, Ryan Brazier, Matt Barnes. Uh, I'm of the opinion that Barnes is the closer by opening day, but, you know, who knows? Uh, my question is to you is uh, who is the closer by opening day, and does that change by, uh, let's say, the postseason if the Red Sox make it? Yeah, Barnes is, is, is clearly the best of the bunch. And, you know, you line up the peripherals, the K rate, the walk rate. He was uh, right next to Kimbrell last year. I mean, you know, those numbers specifically um, – we're the same. I'm not saying Barnes is Kimbrel. Barnes is going to have to lower the walks, I think, because everybody saw how often Kimbrel would get into trouble, but then get out of it. You know, I don't know if Barnes is going to have quite that ability. Um, frankly, I hope if they do make him the closer, they use him as a closer who can pitch the eighth inning. Uh, you know, in a way that Kimbrel didn't uh, at times, and just use him at the biggest spot of the game. But they know going in, there's uncertainty. And the decision they made was basically, well, let's see what we got. We got some arms we like. Maybe Thornburg pitches well. Maybe Brazier continues to look good. Well, what a great find he was. Uh, and, you know, if it doesn't work out, okay, so we'll trade another prospect midseason. The the overarching thing here that I don't – I feel like should have been latched onto but hasn't really is clearly it, they've been told to stop spending. You know, like this is it. You know, you lost two relievers. We don't care. Uh, we'd rather give up a prospect once the season starts from a farm, farm system that's already drained than have you go out and spend more money on a reliever. Uh, so that tells you kind of where Red Sox ownership is with the, the roster building effort here. You know, um, so I, I think that's kind of the, the interesting backdrop to, to all this bullpen stuff. You know, it, 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 it can't be that in their heads they don't think they would benefit from adding somebody because everybody would. Um, it's they it's they feel like Avaldi was more worthwhile than adding a reliever, and they think that who knows you know Barnes, Brazier, and Thornburg are all freaking great. Maybe they were they don't need to add anybody come midseason, but um, they got away with it last year. I don't think they get away with it two years in a row. Yeah, um, yeah, you touched you pretty much nailed uh, nailed the head. What what am I even trying to say? Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, but Cody and I touched on. The, you talked about you know ownership telling Dombrowski, you know quit spending. Uh, I we we both agreed on that, and I I think it's obvious at that this point that you know Dombrowski was told you can't spend anymore, and 
it's you know the Red Sox are done. But um, uh, my other questions to you is are uh, so Cam you touched on it. Kimbrel still you know on the market. Uh, what are your predictions for him? And is is there any chance that he returns to Boston? I know that you know uh, Dombrowski uh, ownership is you know all they've all said that there's no chance that Kimbrel comes back. Do you see you know a scenario where he does come back? I, I don't get that sense at this point. You know, I, at the winter meetings, I, I got a stronger sense that it was a little bit of gamesmanship, you know, at play. And um, But I think part of the reason Kimbrell's out out there still is because the demand has been high. I can't tell you how high. You know, I don't think I don't think he's still asking for um, for the moon in the sky. But I, I also don't see this resulting in a total bargain deal he's he's too good a pitcher for that to happen um so being that the red sox seem to be kind of bent on doing that uh, unless Dombrowski's playing a really good game of uh you know uh, being coy here i i think i think that they are done and i have no idea where he goes you know in um the thing i've been saying and i think others too have been saying it's he'd help any team and he's literally one of the absolute best relievers of all time uh, it, 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 it's, it, he, he, he's so overpowering. Um, you know, if you can get him on a four year deal and you're a contending team right now, uh, he, he's a huge pickup as long as he's healthy. The whole thing just really seemed like an odd situation because, you know, you've got on one side of the spectrum, you've got Brock Holt sitting there defending him on Instagram, you know, constantly fighting with fans saying, no, he's worth, he's worth the money, leave him alone. And then on the other side, we hear this Le'Veon Bell rumor out of nowhere that Kimbrel might sit out this season if he doesn't have a team that meets his contractual demands. Like, do you actually think that's reasonable, or is that just usual Twitter talk, exaggerated rumors, you know, trying to find credibility, or or is there some truth to that? Do you think that could actually happen? Uh, you know, his agent David Meter came out and said um, to Ken Rosenthal that you know that's that's just not accurate. Um, or something to that effect. I, I don't remember the exact words, but he basically shot that down. You know, um, I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere in this, you know, <laughs> there's a comment to somebody that like, you know, you know, if we we can't get a reasonable offer. Screw it, we'll just sit out or something. You know, I I, I don't think that's a practical thing, particularly for a pitcher to do. Um, you know, you could you could argue for him to. Um, wait till mid season or kind of let go a month in and see which contending team loses a pitcher. And then maybe you get a bidding more and more that way. Once teams kind of feel like, okay, we need this guy, but that's not ideal either because then you're going to be trying to catch up for lost time with getting ready with money, uh, all that type of stuff. So best thing for him and, and any team that's going to have him is to get him in there as soon as you can. Yeah. I mean, I'd agree. I think, you know, if he's looking for a model, you look last year even at Greg Holland, who was, you know, decided to sit it out and insane. then came. Isn't that insane that we're talking about Craig yeah. Kimbrell at this? And I get that he's not 25, but you know, the, the, why? Why in the world? This is why it would be interesting to know what the contract demands are, and and they've not gotten out, at, you know, to know what they are today, um, or the contract requests, or what the offers have been, but. Um, you know, like, like in no way should Craig Kimball have to think about being Greg Holland of 2018. Yeah, exactly. No, it, it's really just outrageous. I think it is so intriguing because you even saw Nathan Yavaldi come out and right out and said he told his agent, uh, I don't care. Let's get let's avoid free agency altogether. This is where I want to be. Let's just get a deal done and get it over with. I don't want to go through this. And, you know, it's a curious thing. I wonder how many guys are going to take that approach or if that's just a, you know, a specific thing related to somebody's personality, but uh, either way, I think it's something worth thinking, and I think you're absolutely right in the sense that it's ridiculous that even at this stage, you have a future Hall of Famer in Craig Kimbrell, and we're comparing him to Greg Holland just weeks before the regular season starts. So I just think that's crazy. Um, while we're talking about the Sox bullpen, Dombrowski seemed to go over his entire inventory every time he's asked a question about the bullpen. Do you think there's um, maybe a guy that we don't know much about. I know Colton Brewer's a guy that surfaced. 
Dombrowski likes to bring up Thornburg. Do you think there's that guy that kind of emerges? And also, as a byproduct of that, is there a guy that we've seen in the Red Sox bullpen over the last couple seasons that may be a surprise cut or a surprise trade before the season starts? Um, I hadn't thought about a surprise trade element. You know, I, I, Darwinson Hernandez, uh, Durbin Feltman. I, I think people, if you want to get excited about prospects, the bullpen might be the easiest way for them to get up there because, mm-hmm. you know, the lot stuff's plays. It, it, I think it's a little easier for a pitcher to come in and have some uh, at least short-term success, even if they haven't had a ton of seasoning. It might not be ideal, but you know how those guys have the, have the more powerful arms do uh, down there, as opposed to kind of focusing on. Chavis and Dahlbeck. Um, Keith Hembree's better than people realize, but no, I, I I don't think there's like some gigantic sleeper. You know, is Bobby Pointer gonna step it up? Uh, um, it's it, you know it's kind of remarkably similar to last year. Uh, it, it's it, it, relative for the Red Sox. It's a boring winter, and it's um, it's kind of it's. I, I almost compare it to a controlled experiment. You know, you, this is how you can kind of see how players and uh, really do fluctuate year to year. You know, you, you had a very different version of this team in 2017. Didn't change that much in 2018. You got one guy, basically. Um, and then, you know, what do you end up getting this year? But no, I, 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 don't, I don't think there's some uh, big surprise with the bullpen at the moment. I, I feel like we're just looking at the same situation as last year all over again, minus Craig Kimbrell. I mean, at this stage last year, Joe Kelly was not the quote-unquote proven setup guy that everybody felt he was come postseason. I mean, goodness, we had no idea what we had in Joe Kelly because he's always been Jekyll and Hyde in Boston. He's either lights out or he is god-awful. So I feel like it's the same situation Dave's trying to build the middle innings, we don't know where Keith Hembree's going to end up, or Workman, or if Carson Smith or Tyler Thornburg will get healthy and be contributors like we felt like they would. So I just think it's really interesting at this point. And uh, I know Durbin Feltman's a hot topic, but do you think there's any shot he actually makes it up here? Uh, you mean at some point this year? Um, yeah, go ahead. Anytime yeah. this year. I mean, I mean uh, yeah, I think I think it's in the realm of possibility you could see him yep. this year. I, 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 he'd have to be dominating, and um, I think they'd have to have a need, you know, if it's anything outside of a uh, uh, September call-up type of situation. But um, you know, that, that that that's not unheard of uh, for for college relievers. That's, that's, that's certainly something, you know, the Houston streak going back, God knows how many years at this point. Um, so, yeah, I think Feltman, if, if they needed it, they could do it. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, so the next, while we're on the topic of uh, Sox pitchers, uh, that leads us into the next topic, which is uh, the expe- expectations for Eduardo Rodriguez this season. Um, I'm, my thoughts are kind of mixed on Erod. It feels like for the past few years we've been getting the same story uh, over and over come springtime that he's, you know, in the best shape of his life, and, you know, he's ready to have that breakout season, but then uh, something happens midseason that, you know, uh, damages that. So uh, what are your ex- expectations for uh, Erod? Do you think he has a shot um, of, like, a breakout season? No, he's already a good pitcher. I, I do start to roll my eyes a little bit with the, um, uh, the way that does c- – continually come up you know i think i said at one point somewhere you know we'll be we'll be i'll be 43 and and uh uh or he'll be 43 and everybody will be talking about oh you know he's about to he's on the cusp it's uh, <laughs> just a tick away from putting it all together um you know th- that rotation has got a very veteran they really care about erod uh, i would suggest they traded him at some points but you know th- you're he's kind of hitting the point now where it's like go out there and you do it um you know he's dealt with the injury stuff which look worrying about whether your knee's gonna buckle under you can't be fun you know you've, you gotta um account for that mental side of it with him and how that's played in and he, he's acknowledged it's played in but there's good, there's good stuff there the nice thing is in this rotation you don't need him to be a one you know you know it, it, it's it's not where you need the guy to be an ace i mean there could come a time where 
uh, he becomes a little bit more important. But as long as Price and, and uh, we'll see if Sale sticks around, but uh, he's in a fine spot. I just um, I, I, not not to throw water on it. I just I, I don't get too caught up with that because you're right. We we had heard it kind of consistently. Um, and, and I think we are reaching a year where it's like, okay, are, are you Felix Dubron? Are you something more? What are you? Um, and uh, we'll wait and find out. Yeah, I think really the, you know, just the love affair with Erod, at least, you know, probably across most fans, is just the physical traits that he has. You know, he does probably throw on the higher end of lefty starters. You know, he can run it up to 95, 96 every now and then. He does flash a decent off-speed every now and then. People look back to his first couple starts with the Red Sox, and they think back to, holy crap, we got this guy for Andrew Miller as a rental? I mean, he was that prospect there for a couple starts before fizzling out. Uh, and to me, really, Erod's key is probably just getting in the strike zone more consistently. If if he's walking three or four guys, he's just an average guy. He goes five innings. He's, he's your typical four starter, and you know that's okay. He doesn't have to be anything more, more than that. Though I think every now and then you just see those glimpses, and so it's very easy to say, man, if he could just do this, I think he could really break out. But I think you also bring up a great point, and he doesn't have to with the current state of this rotation, which really is the cool thing about what we have in Boston right now. Yeah, you know, and for him, he can kind of – people read – probably too much in the body language um i mean i i'll say it as a statement they do now sometimes it matters but other times it doesn't there are guys who look like they don't care uh when they really do care you know it's just you know kind of always assuming that a fiery guy or uh you know somebody who's kind of more in in front of the camera like hanley ramirez whatever last year everybody assumes oh you know he's center of the clubhouse he really wasn't um you know with erod there, there have been kind of long-standing thoughts of you know can he can he push himself more essentially? Can he focus more? Can he get himself in better shape? Can he can he take himself to that next step? Um, and and you know the health stuff came into play, the knee, I believe it's you know both knees ultimately. So now it becomes a little bit more of okay, have you matured to a point with these people around you that you can focus that you don't lose focus on your like you're talking about with your command? Uh, you don't give up the three run home run in the fifth inning, or or on the flip side, you, you kind of stay who you are, and you're the left-handed clay buckle. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I couldn't agree more. So um, the last topic on our rundown, uh, we ha- we sent out a tweet earlier, uh, you know, uh, saying that we were hopping on the podcast with you, and if anyone had any questions, you know, feel free to ask them. Uh, so we had a, we got a few. Uh, the first one comes in from Why Not Discuss, uh, Ben Smith on uh, Twitter. He asked, uh, what's a re- realistic return on Blake Swihart? Well, if you're Dave Dombrowski, you you want one of two things. You want a reliever for this year or uh, a younger prospect, essentially. Um, you know, the, the thing that makes it tough with Swihart is he – I'd have to check his service time, but you know, he's still so early in his career – um, you'd kind of have to be, you're looking at, I, I don't know how you get back a prospect that feels good about the upside as you do with Swihart, um, without the other team being like, I'm not giving up that prospect. You know, I got, Swihart's upside has never really changed. It's just that he's gotten older. He got hurt. They used him in different spots. So, you know, can you find a team that's willing to give you a, a quote unquote legitimate prospect? Uh, you know, I'm not not number one, but somebody that you're like, okay, you know, a few years down the road, I I feel good about this. Then I think you're in business. That or um, a reliever, but you know, for the long and the short term, he makes sense to use. You know, you you you're almost you're probably the better off not dealing with. But um, you know, they again. It's 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 the it's the never-ending world of uh, of the three catchers. Exactly. Uh, so Ben Smith has another question. Um, this one's you know different. We haven't talked about this. Uh, is Mark Marco Hernandez a movable piece? Can he move his shoulder? <laughs> I mean, 
you know, you feel terrible for him. Steve Bucky wrote, wrote a, a great piece on him, and he's someone who, when he was healthy, like the bat looked like it could play. I mean, he 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 looked like a, a viable guy, and then somehow he ends up going for three surgeries in fourteen months, and you wonder who the hell screwed that thing up, um, or if, if anybody did. Uh, but you know, it certainly did not go the way that it was supposed to. Um, so. <laughs> I mean, any team that's getting him is going to be looking at medicals and, and just, you know, I, I haven't been down in Florida, so I cannot say what I've seen from him or, or anything like that. So um, I can't tell you how he looks at this moment. But, um, you know, I could you move him? Yeah, but you get much for him? No. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's a tricky situation since, you know, he's been, you know, he's had injury uh, problems over the past couple of years. But, uh, yeah, like you said, if we're going to move him, we're not going to get much for him. So we're better off just, you know, keeping him and, you know, seeing if he does pan pan out and, you know, if he does, great. If he doesn't, you know, what are you going to do? So um, the other questions that we have, uh, we've touched on them, so uh, we don't have to go over those again. But um, I think that's all we have, Evan. Uh, thanks for coming on. Um, if you're if you guys aren't following Evan on Twitter and Twitter and you're listening to this podcast you know get out from under a hole and go follow evan on twitter uh and um you know stay tuned for you know whatever he has in uh stores but thanks evan for coming on thanks guys appreciate it yeah thanks for thanks for listening guys all right hope you guys enjoyed the uh drelic interview cody and i both did uh he's he's a blast be sure to um Retweet the pod, you know, show it to your friends. Rate, r- rate, subscribe, and review. I have to say that slowly or I'll uh, jumble <laughs> it all up. And I forget to say that during some episodes too. So, um, yeah, but make sure you go, guys do all that. Um, enjoyed the interview. But um, we didn't touch on a couple of things that uh, Cody and I wanted to talk about. Um, Jackie Bradley Jr.'s swing looks pretty good his uh he over the off season he um said that he was going to be changing up his swing a little bit going to be working out with a different uh hitting coach i believe and i don't know the correct term for his swing it's like a more compact swing i don't i don't know but whatever he's doing keep doing it because uh i feel like he's he's on track for a monster season I completely agree. I will say it's kind of funny that you go back and listen to this and you're like, oh, man, how did I stumble over that word? And then you're like, oh, man, I've been talking for like 50 minutes and it's not as easy to get every single word out perfectly as some might think. But I think it definitely goes to show that Jackie Bradley Jr. put the work in in the offseason. I'm pretty sure he was very out out front and honest that he was going to be working a lot with J.D. Martinez. Uh, we obviously heard all the stories about how dedicated and how knowledgeable of a hitter JD is. Um, and, you know, anytime a guy's willing to put in that kind of work, to see it then pr- be produced on the field uh, is enjoyable. And plus, Jackie Bradley's a fan fr- favorite, so it is nice to see him put that kind of final piece to his game together. But I think the, the hard thing is, you know, it is just four or five games into spring training. You look back and Mookie Betts is like 0 for his last 38 or something ridiculous in spring training games. So as good as Jackie's looked, I don't want to overreact and be like, yeah, Jackie's going to have his coming out party. He's going to hit 30 bombs. He's going to drive in 100 runs. He's going to be an MVP contender this season because if you look through Red Sox Twitter or Facebook groups, they will tell you that Jackie Bradley's an MVP contender this year because he hit a bomb. So... (laughs) let's not get too far ahead of ourselves but the swing and how hard he's hitting the ball if you've actually seen his at bats are certainly encouraging for red sox fans yeah and while we're on the topic of like overreacting swing performances i guess we can touch on uh dahlbeck and chavis again both of them have had i I will say have had um monster spring so far and it's it's encouraging because um, I think you tweeted it out uh, after Chavis's like second home run, uh, where you know I thought the Red Sox farm system was depleting, and that's that's great because I'm not one of those people that like 
hammers Dombrowski for like having like a super weak farm system. I think you know there's there's encouraging um, encouraging prospects like Dahlbeck, Chavis, Feltman, Lakins, uh, you know a handful of other guys that you know I'm ready to see in a Red Sox uniform in the coming years. And yeah, I, I honestly don't think the farm system is that bad. Um, but then again, we can't look into spring performances too much. So um, that, that's just my thoughts on the on the deal. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing to remember with the Red Sox farm system is there are pieces there. Um, you know, we've touched on throughout the podcast. I feel like we love Red Sox prospects, so we always talk about them. So really, I think the issue is it's a very top-heavy system that the top five to ten guys are decent prospects. You know, there's not necessarily necessarily any quote-unquote blue-chip guys, but there's plenty of guys that can come in and contribute and at least be above-average players in the major leagues. Uh, but then you look at 10 through 30, like if you're looking at the MLB top 30, and there's a lot of fringe MLB guys. Like if you get a bullpen piece out of them, you'll be lucky, or you get a utility player out of them, you'll be lucky. So I think really that's probably the biggest critique with the Red Sox, but there's certainly promise in what I'm seeing. I mean, if you've seen games, Bobby Dahlbeck is freaking huge. That guy is ginormous as a third baseman, and whether his – his future is a DH or first base. I mean, size and power can play. And I think you even heard Dahlbeck said he missed that ball to center, that he probably hit 440 that's, feet. So that's nuts. nuts. Like it's I, hilarious. I think I like touched on that briefly in my uh, latest spring training notes, but like I was, li- I didn't even like hear him say that until the like the next day. Uh, Carlos Pena Pena said like, you know. Cora and Dahlbeck both said that, like, he didn't get all of that ball. And I'm like, uh, are you guys kidding? And they kept on, like, talking about it. And I'm like, they're obviously not joking. And that's just preposterous to me. And the fact that he has that much power, like, that makes me excited to watch uh, to watch him uh, in the coming years. But, like, yeah, that's, that's just nuts. I think it's really unfortunate, really, is that they play – positions that we don't necessarily need right now i think if you don't re-sign steve pierce michael chavis might make the opening day roster like he is that he can play the corners he can dh he rakes his bat is mlb ready but in the field he's not you know really his only avenue to any consistent playing time right now is at second base and to me he looks like dan ugla i don't know if you remember dan ugla when he was like he had some really good years. He was like a 40 home run guy. And so he's that kind of short stature, ton of power, not really a middle infielder, but he doesn't play anywhere else. Like Chavis is like five ten, and he's playing first, which is unheard of. So I think that's really an unfortunate, he's just a product of circumstance right now where in any other year, he's probably a DH rotational piece. Like you could slot him in against lefties. He'd go to town and Dahlbeck is stuck behind Devers right now. So I don't know if either of them are going to be potential trade pieces, but certainly what they've done on the field in a very short sample size in spring training is definitely encouraging. And let's be honest, any two guys that can push Rafael Devers to be a better third baseman, is that's nothing but good signs for the Sox. You want competition. Competition breeds excellence, especially with a team that's coming off of a World Series run. So I think anybody that can push Devers is a good sign. And so whether the two of them start in AAA or AA, whatever, I think that's just a great sign for the Red Sox organization as a whole. Yeah, and it's a great problem to have that you have, like, too much talent. And, like, that that's just – it's exci- it's going to be exciting to watch uh, it all play out. But um, I think that, you know, that – that about covers it. We've pretty much touched on everything uh, in this podcast. Um, the interview was great. Uh, not sure when the next episode will be up. Probably within the next two weeks, I would say. Uh, we have uh, Matthew Corey, previously of The Athletic, coming on here soon. Um, some possible guests, Chris Mason, um, a few other guys that uh, could come on. Uh, I don't want to say anything yet, and uh, it'll it, you know, fall apart. But um, 
yeah, we'll have guests coming on. Uh, probably like two more episodes, and then we're we're into opening day, which is uh, pretty dope. So, um, Cody, I just thought about this. If do you want to plug your uh, um, pocket radar? trying to find one of those uh, in this podcast in case a listener does know of someone that could provide you with that? (laughs) I suppose I can take a couple seconds. Um, If you have anybody that you know is looking to give away a radar gun or anything, we're definitely in the market. I'm a pitching coach of a small team in Maine, so uh, feel free to hit me up on Twitter if you know of anything, uh, but definitely would appreciate that if anybody has any connections. But Regardless, it is always a good time to hop on the pod. It's so close to regular season baseball, and it's kind of fun to see Red Sox Twitter and everything back up and running at full speed. So, you know, we're in it for the ridiculous takes as much as we are for the fun side of Red Sox Twitter and every other piece of social media. So anytime we can hop on the podcast is a great time. Yeah, for sure. Um, But that'll do it, guys. Thanks for listening.